Hey guys, Stu here. Just a quick note on the, today's podcast. I let a robo-editor take over, and apparently humans are still better than robots, in some regards anyway, because the edit's a little bit heavy-handed and wonky in places. I do apologise for that. I'll make sure that software is sorted out next week. I'll get take it out behind the garage and give it a good shoeing. Anyway, hopefully you can still enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to the MHG podcast. Once again, I'm your host Bradley. And joining me this week, I promised him I wouldn't go on about the Steam Deck because he hasn't got a Steam Deck and I've got a Steam Deck. And, oh God, I've done it, haven't I? I've already mentioned the Steam Deck. Sorry, I didn't mean to mention the Steam Deck. How you doing, Stu? Uh, Steam Deck, Steam Deck, Steam Deck, Steam Deck, this Steam Deck. I was like John. It's like that scene. John Malkovich. Yeah, John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was Steam Deck. Yeah, no, I, I totally... I, it's really funny. I'm not jealous. I've got one coming whenever, sometime between now and, and June, apparently. I'm just like really chuffed for you because I, I can still play the games that I'm going to be playing on it because I'm playing them on Steam, obviously. But I really am looking forward to being able to sit on the, on the sofa and just game literally all night, basically, on new games. It's really cool. It, it's really weird that, you know, the battery on it is you could get a good five hours if you're playing certain games nice. um so that i was playing some sudoku on it i was really pushing it to its limit wow <laughs> sudoku uh yeah easy battery no problems binding of isaac no problems at all Wreckfest hammers the battery um and their abichar desk job murdered it, it went from 85 percent down to 30 percent in half hour yeah. um but yeah, it's a bit. It's, it's a first revision. It's the first attempt at it. You can plug in external. Some suggestions I've seen along the lines of get a power brick, and that'll almost double what you can get out of it. So I'll look at that, um, and I dare say you'll get some people make some clever, fancy accessories for it or whatever. But yeah, no, it's really good. We'll, we've got a special. We'll be doing in the next couple of weeks once I've had some time with it. But oh boy, it's good. Yeah, I'm really excited about being able to to tinker with stuff and and get it going. And yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be excellent. Yeah, and honestly, honestly, one one last thing I'll say about it, this topic won't be the last one. I'll probably drop it in a couple of other bits. But the other thing is Microsoft Cloud Gaming on it has is semi officially supported. So Microsoft give you a guide on how to install it on Steam Deck um, on their own website, and once you're in, oh. It's flawless. I played Forza Horizon. I played a bit of Major League Baseball, the show 22. Barely any noticeable lag. Not, again, not to the point where it's unplayable. It's like a few moments of getting adjusted to the lag difference to play natively and you're good to go. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it's, I, it's not even been cracked open yet. That's the thing. That's it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's As a platform, it's like a load of get an, an an amateur football team being invited to play at like Wembley or San Siro or something they like the platform is absolutely amazing and there's so much that's going to be running beautifully on it at the moment is it's a little bit amateur but the platform is there to for app beautiful stuff to happen and it's already starting and it's only been out for about yeah. a month and a half yeah and i've got on mine I've got a grand total of 1,600 Steam games and 270-ish. Oh, I've verified, sorry. The ones that aren't verified or are unknown seem to work okay. And people have done community controller support that you can download and, and stuff like that. So even the stuff that's not verified on the whole so far has worked quite well as well. Again, I'm just looking forward to seeing what this does, but... Uh, being able to play Wreckfest handheld means I don't need to get the, Steam, the Switch version now. I've got a feeling this might have more of an effect on the Switch than people might initially think. People love accessibility and they love cheapness. And like, if you get something that's powerful and cheap, it's basically hitting all the right notes. And I can see it really taking off because it'll turn the heads of people who aren't techie. I really think so, yeah. And in yeah, terms of because the ba- sorry, I was gonna say the main thing it's got with it as well. 
the thumbsticks and the controller layouts better than Joy-Cons. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not dismissing the Switch. I love the Switch still, but in the like nine a week I've had this, or four or five days I've had this so far, the Switch hasn't come out of its dock. <laughs> I've yeah, and I've owned three Switches, so I've basically we're spending that much money on it. I'm allowed to say anything I like about the Switch, and nobody can gainsay yeah. me. But I like it. But it's best for Nintendo games, I think. But yeah, what I was going to say yeah. about compatibility is you need to do if like one of the games you love doesn't work is go on some Steam Deck or Linux forum and go, ha, huh, this doesn't work. I bet you no one will ever be able to get this running. And then five minutes later, <laughs> some have coded it so it works. If you went on there going, could somebody please code this so it works? You get a load of, oh, that won't work because the pseudo query, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, just tell them it can't be done and it'll be done in five minutes. Oh, this is impossible. You lot suck. <laughs> exactly but what's really impressive the base model of the steam deck is also what is it it's only 50 60 70 quid more than the oled switch yeah but so it's about the same price so as a normal switch about the same price as an oled switch what i found out is the emmc drive completely upgradable Awesome. So you could put a proper MVM2, whatever it is, M2, MVN, the updated SSDs in there. Um, you could get like a 256 for about 40 quid. Yeah. So it's uh, the micro SD games run fine off it. I'm going to shut up now. Wait, um, for now on, on the Steam yeah. Deck, it will be the special that we're doing next That's week. Right. But do you know what the Switch and the uh, Steam Deck have in common? I have no idea. They play video games. Ah, of course. And talking of playing video games, segue, what you've been playing, Stu? Uh, I've been playing video games and I've actually been quite playing quite, but I'll limit it to two. And the first one of those is Days Gone on the PC. And... Wow, yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. It's I've not played all that much of it so far, but... In a kind of weird turnaround, I really like it. And it's apparently, most people say, you've, yeah, your initial impressions are going to be underwhelming and you need to get to 10 hours in or whatever before it starts really hitting its stride. And I, like, turned it on and I was like, this is great. <laughs> but I don't know whether that's just because I was given a low expectation, probably because of that. But, yeah, no, I like... It's not really worth talking about the game very much because everyone who wants to have played it by now. But in terms of the technology on the PC, it works very well. It's not like Horizon... What did they port really first time? Death Stranding. So it's not like Death Stranding yes. good in terms of ease of conversion and low power. Like Death Stranding, you can whack everything up to full, stick it on in 4K, and it, it runs 60 frames perfectly and 120 frames if you've got a powerful pc it's quite low effort but horizon zero dawn they managed to bugger up at first and then it got better days gone apparently when it came out on pc first a few months ago was running like a dog but it's not too bad now it still uses up too much too much resources for what it's actually putting out but it looks really good and i've got it it's pretty everything's maxed out running at about between about 70 and 90 frames per second yeah never dropping below 60 and this is in ultra wide which it's 1440p on my ultra wide so it's like midway between 3k and 4k and yeah yeah i'm really enjoying the game it's basically a slightly tweaked slightly differently focused the last of us with uh, a, a totally different type of story and the character you play is a bit of a dick which is actually a nice <laughs> change so yeah, the sons of the last of us yeah, or yeah, yeah. sons of the last i thought oh what they'll do is and they probably still will do this but i thought oh in the first hour it'll turn out that really they're bikers with a heart of gold what they do is they rob from the rich and give to poor orphans but so far there's been none of that it's, yeah we carry weapons we kill people with impunity <laughs> we steal it's just totally yeah they're all assholes and that's absolutely fine i don't mind playing an in a game because I'm one in real life so that's that's all right so anyway yeah I expected to not be as impressed but yeah I've been stealthing and shanking whatever they call the zombies in this game and yeah it's enjoyable yeah no I, I've played it a bit on the originally PlayStation 4 I've got it again on PC because I've got it quite cheap 
in a bundle somewhere, I think, a little while back. Just been having a bit of fun with it there. And I would say, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And the guy is an So What I actually really like is at the start, they actually almost say as though, like, oh, these are going to be like, watch it. They're actually going to be good guys, really. There's there's that element there that you mentioned. It's, it, you go, right, they go, oh, they're really going to go, oh, he turned out to be the hero all along or whatever. But to be honest, it does that thing. I, I've never understood motorcycle gangs so like in like things like the sons of anarchy and stuff like that i've never understood it it's like a 12 year old they're like honestly like a bunch of like kids going around going oh we've got the drugs and we've got the guns and you can't have my guns and we're gonna supply the good like that's not really a thing surely (laughs) Um, i think it must be a cultural difference because i think in in america like when they've got like state troopers and stuff they've got like fairly sleepy areas and a lot of space between them and there's a lot more room for road crime that's based on the roads whereas in this country like a biker gang could go from like one end of the country to to the other in an afternoon pretty much <laughs> in about 10 yeah. hours and it's hardly the same so i think it's a bit of a cultural difference i, I like the sense of space in it and i like the fact that like even when you're in a comparatively rural area it's it's nothing like what a rural area in the uk would be it's really you're in wilderness two seconds after you've stepped out outside the town center and um that gives it a really good sense of if you're going off to a pharmacy to to loot materials you know or you're going to a garage to get parts it's a big drive it's a big step it's a vulnerable place i'd like actually to see a really serious but high what's it called high budget zombie film made in the uk i suppose the last one was 28 days later and 28 weeks later um yes. and they oh, used all the dead yeah but that was more comedy on it no, i will have an argument with you here i would argue okay. Shaun of the dead was probably the most realistic zombie film ever made well it might be it's not very gory though does it need to be but the, the reaction is a typically British reaction. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think if you played it too seriously, then it just wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's it called? Dead. What's it called? Dead something. The Charlie Brooker Channel 4. Oh, one Dead Set. Yes, dead that's set. brilliant. Yeah, that was good. For, that benefit that was Charlie British, Brooker so. is good. Yeah, it is. Anyway, uh, back to video games. Yeah, Days Gone. Uh, so versus far. Zombies, by the way. Give that a go if you want a good comedic... <laughs> zombie film that is bad but brilliant fair play but yeah, yeah no I, I, <laughs> yeah no i'm enjoying days gone yeah very good so far yeah i i really liked it um it's one of those games where i'm hoping it does get deck support because it's great for playing for half an hour potter yeah. around for a bit do a mission get back to your safe house and stuff like that really like that side of it um, and i don't always want to be sat here at the pc playing it yeah so i, I could remote play it that's something i could do but it's but yeah no i like it it's a good sort of potter around game but it, it does you've got to forgive some of its foibles but then what game don't you have to forgive bits of for in terms of that and it's trying to stretch it out across a big open world and honestly i actually think it's an open world it's one of the better ones in terms of giving you stuff to do that isn't just here's an icon go to icon yes i found that with in a very different way with horizon forbidden west which improves on what it does with its space way more than the first game although i still yeah i love the first game but forbidden west makes it really doesn't feel copy pasted everything well not everywhere but there are so many places that feel like real locations that feel like that they've been properly and fully designed to be impressive when you come across them. And things don't have to be like visually amazing for you to be excited by a new area. I think that's one of the things that, that developers perhaps don't understand sometimes is it doesn't have to look fabulous. It just has to be different and unusual. And I remember like one of my favourite games of the past was, apologies for my throat, by the way, to the audience. I've got a cold. It's not COVID and you can't catch it online anyway. It is D2, I've mentioned before. Yes. Which came yes, out on the yes. Dreamcast 1999. Yep. And there's that's all set in the Canadian wilderness and it's just snow. And then in one part, you come across a crashed aircraft and just the sense of, after all that bleakness and the, the 
pure white out and just the odd stunted tree, bit of mountain out, rocky outcrop, tiny little hut that you start from. Seeing it, it's just like a bog standard plane, but it, it brings a real thrill because you, you don't know what's going to be in it. You don't know what monsters you're going to face. It's just a real shock. And that's really important to have these things that you come across. They don't have to be incredibly rendered. They just have to be unusual and, and yeah. exciting. Yep, yeah, no, exactly. And I think Sony do a good job with this, actually. I think Days Gone and Horizon Zero Dawn, I've not played Forbidden West yet, done a good job of, if you, once you leave like the starting area or you have to find a new area, you have this trepidation with you because yeah. you don't know what to expect and that's what you should feel like you're almost creeping through in a way because you don't know where you're going you don't know what to expect whereas if you look at ubisoft it just feels like there's so much to do there's so many icons it's almost like their game design is someone's let off a confetti cannon wherever the confetti lands is we'll put an icon there um, yeah. And you Do don't you think they've, feel... they've learned a lesson from that? Because no. it wasn't the last Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla, and that's quite a while ago. Two years? Yeah, Do you well, think, think they're taking more time out? I don't know. I think from what I understand, the game was better, but from people I spoke to about it were still saying it's still icon. So I don't know yeah. whether the journeys between are improved or what have you. But there's a reason I think I preferred Syndicate to the others when I played them because it was set in London there was it was a lot more crowded you actually you felt like you was going places not just empty wildernesses or just bombarded by by icons even though again it had all like Ubisoft icons everywhere it was it didn't feel like that was it and you know even in their racing games they've done it as well and it's just too much to do but no I, I think Sony do a good job I still think the masters of the open world are the team on the Yakuza series because it's just everything's just in there. But yeah, no, it's Days Gone. I'm a big fan of it. Um, so I think it's one of those good quality, higher mid tier games. Yeah, it's funny that we've both ended up liking that one because it's not a genre that we're big fans of. But yeah, mm, cool. No, I think you can pick one or two open world games to play, and if you stick with them, you're fine. It's when you just only play open world games <laughs> that are hundred hour epics. I think you get burnt out. Yeah, that's where the problems start, definitely. Yes. So, moving on, you might have been travelling to various different locations and cities in the zombie apocalypse. I have been building cities. Do you know what we built this city on? Rock and roll. No, grass. Oh, right, okay. Why would you build a city on rock and roll? It's weird. I don't know, I've never really understood that. I've been playing High Rise City, which is a... A city building game that's out in early access at the moment from developers Forexo Entertainment. They're a new studio, like it's only a very small team. Um, but essentially, what you've got here is I'm going to make the comparison first and then backtrack from the comparison. And you'll understand nice. why in a minute. What you've cool. essentially got here is an even India take on City Skylines, which is already an indie take on SimCity. When you first play the game, the visual style, the grids on it, the way roads are built, all of it just screams City Skylines clone. But what it's done, it's gone right. This is what works. This is why City Skylines is a good city build and what it does really well. So this is what we're going to do. And it's got all the different feeds. So you build roads, districts, etc., etc. But what City Skylines is a, essentially a glorified traffic management simulation. That's where City Skylines excels. Whereas High Rise City is more than that. It's more based on a tycoon game. Economies is the major theme. You, like uh. you, Obviously, your, your networks, if it matter, but the economy. So what you essentially build is you build industry. And it's your industry that builds is how you progress through the game. It's got like impressive numbers. So it reckons it can have up to 1 million inhabitants within the game and stuff like that. And they're all different types of like population types and, uh, and things like that. And its big thing is, is 50 different resources within the game. And you use those resources um, to, again, just like make sure the city runs in a network, like an, an economy network. And it's, it's it's really good so far. I, I've put a good couple of hours into it. And again, it lacks some of the polish of City Skylines, but City Skylines has been out for many years. It's been modded 
by a, a dedicated community and they've gradually got more money to do with what they want within this. But as I said, yeah, what this really does well is economy and resource management. So you've really got to look at how it all fits together and little things like where you place these things has an effect and how they all work together. So if you've got something that's like miles away but is meant to be feeding something else that's miles away quite regularly and you've not got the best route for that, then you've got to look at that. Or is there a way that you can bring it closer together so they can work closer together? Um, so you might have like agriculture doing one thing with this other thing, but it might also then need to feed into a city and produce the resources for that, for them to do their bit. And you've really got to think about it. It feels it moves at a slower pace than cities. And I really like that. But uh, yeah, I just a couple of hours, a few hours in with it. Um, I'd, I'd say probably four. If I could be bothered to go and load up Steam, I'd, I'd go and have a look at how many hours I've put in. But yeah, really enjoying it. There's going to be Steam modded in it, so it's only going to grow from there. Good alternative. Awesome. If anyone goes and looks at this on, on the Steam homepage, I've just loaded it up now just to double check. And yeah, I, every time I look at this, I have to go... Although it is high my city, it's not city skylines. Because just that initial zoning and building, the grids and everything that are there, it just it's yeah, it does it all. They're wearing their influence on their sleeve, but they're doing their own thing with it without just trying to do an over-the-top hook with it. Um so again, really good. What I would say is if you're not a big fan of city builders, it's not gonna change your mind. Simple as that. Well, uh, I but- I absolutely can't stand them, so I won't be uh doing it there you go nope enjoy it vicariously <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah I, I really he's got a, and again with most games he's got a soundtrack as well i think i've got the soundtrack with mine um when i've got it i don't know why city builder needs a soundtrack and i don't <laughs> think the soundtrack's all that good but not hey, a dedicated separate thing. kind of digital download type <laughs> thing no no i i, I it, it's good yeah. it's i enjoy it so yeah it's one I'm hoping it's more accessible than cities. With cities now, I've got so many mods, it takes ages to load, so I've really got to be in the mood, whereas this boots up quite quickly. That That's a bonus it's got. Hoist by your own pet toad. Yes. I've been playing something that has, has been yeah, talked about a fair bit. It's uh, Slipstream, which is a retro racer. Yes. And, yeah, I've been really enjoying this one. There's been some... I saw some debate online about the way that it refreshes the screen in the way that it sort of flickers can put people off. It's not been a problem for me, but I'm playing on, obviously, playing on computer, playing on a monitor. It's got a really high refresh rate, so that might help. And I don't, you know, I don't suffer with motion sickness very much at all. Really rare. and got my VR legs and everything, so it's not really a deal for me. But I suppose it would be a deal for some people because if you remember Outrun, which is very much a kind of descendant of it has these sprites scaling towards the screen really really quickly and yeah it it can produce a bit of a hypnotic state kind of thing if if you're susceptible to it especially as repeated textures over and over again but the game itself is really good i like at at first i really struggled with because it models itself after outrun 2's drifting yeah less less so than the original game and I struggled with it at first until I realised that even though it's an analogue game, where you can play it digital, but it's designed around being analogue, you activate the slide digitally. Go accelerate, brake, accelerate. Like, tap them. Yeah. So off accelerate, onto brake, back on, off brake and onto accelerate, all within the space of about half a second. There's a wider window than that if you can't do it that fast. Somewhere between a quarter of a second and a second is absolutely fine. But it's a digital process if it reads those inputs. I know I'm starting to sound like technical about this, but I'm doing it for a reason. It's because I think it might put some people off because I've heard people say that the game's really hard. And I find it you know, challenging, but I don't find it really hard. But that's because I worked out quite early on. You have to tap in that sequence to get yourself into drifting. Yeah, And, w- and when you're in drifting... It's very different from Outrun because in Outrun you are pretty much, except when you're at max speed, which is rare because of all the corners, are only accelerating if you're driving normally. When you go into a drift, you can only ever stay at that speed or go slower. Whereas in Slipstream, 
you go faster when you at the very least you maintain speed but mostly you gain speed and also you can slipstream when you're in drift and that's your only type of speed boost in the game and so when you're in uh drifting obviously you're covering most of the road your car like fits over most of the road so it's dead easy to slipstream because you're technically like you know in the slipstream of another car so you actually go a lot faster overall is what i'm saying if you manage to do it effectively so get that digital thing down of getting into the slipstream by tapping those buttons and then getting into slipstreams themselves and it's a lot easier and it opens it up then and makes it a, a really good retro racer i think yeah i've, I've looked at this one and i i'm very much in a camp of I'm not sure I can physically handle it. Purely the fact is, it just looks like it's being played in reverse too, that there's that issue with it. I know a few people have said about that. And I know that's an illusion you get with when you see something spinning and it hits a certain speed, it then looks like it's going in the opposite direction for a moment before it then goes back. Yeah. So I know why it happens, but I have issues with if i get lots of flashing lights and bright colors all over the place that causes me issues with my eyes anyway i don't want to put myself playing a game where i could do myself physical harm where i can help it i even need to turn down some of the effects on tetris effect that, that's where i am with stuff i don't know what the accessibility options are like on this game but yeah even the trailer hurt my eyes so but it, it looks fun that's the one it what seems like a shame to me it looks fun but i don't think i'm going to be able to play it. yeah not at the moment no and whether you're missing out on much i don't know it's funny because it's so like older games and enslaved to their concept of what's happening that it is nostalgia bait it, it's not oh we're taking all these things and we're making them new it's we're bringing back something that you already love from 30 years ago and yeah whether that it certainly doesn't make it an essential it makes it like, oh, yeah, I don't mind if I dip in when I feel like it, but it's not an essential game. It does what it does very well, but it's never going to be more than a comparative throwback sort of thing. And when you talk about the visual thing, yeah, you're exactly right. There's, it's comparatively recently, within the last sort of 10 or 15 years, I think, that they, if the law officially acknowledged that you could be hypnotised while driving by... Uh, Chiraskuro, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that, but it's the pattern of light and dark that causes caused by trees when the sun comes through them, and if it moves in the in a certain way, the tree when the trees move, the patterns hypnotise you. It's similar to epilepsy, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think that a lot of people have found it produces a lot of motion sickness because it's going down that epilepsy track, and I think that I might, as I say. Luckily, because I've got a 144 hertz screen, I, th I, I think that's stopping it happening to me. It never feels like it's either blurring into one or going backwards or doing anything other than what it's supposed to. But I think you need that high refresh rate to, to make sure it does that. So, yeah, it's, it's one to be cautious of as well. So is there, you mentioned like... It that's the thing that gets me. It looks like there's a high trigger effect potentially for people with epilepsy. Is there an epilepsy warning the moment you start the game or even in the description of the game for buying it? That's a really good question. I will have to have a look. You can uh, vamp for a moment. Because why Stu checks that out, the one thing that obviously that stops me by this, apart from the accessibility stuff, is I've got easy access to play on a regular basis out run coast to coast. Do I need... A similar game just because it's got retro styles probably not but yeah so that along with any potential accessibility issues it's not gonna make a big deal to me really because it's just remake out run sumo come on sumo yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's <laughs> to answer your question yeah it has a warning immediately and it does it's quite significant it's three paragraphs about 120 words or so i would say so it, they they really take it seriously What's good. that? Start of the game or on the description? At the start of the game. It might be in the description, I'm not sure. But I hope so, because that would be unfair to someone to buy it and then find out. And again, people should, do their own, people should do their own research when it comes to buying a game as to whether it's going to give them a fit or something. You know, that needs to be front and centre. But no, at least they've got some warning there, so it's not ignored. They are very much aware of it, and that's something. If you buy it on, on Steam, you'd easily get refunded if you bought it and keep that warning away. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
True, true. But like you say, it should be up front. It probably is up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not complaining about. We'll clarify it post-edit maybe who sees we'll see so answer me this question because i was feeling and i, t- I mentioned outrun coast to coast i can play that regularly on my pc or my vita if i could play that regularly does it matter about this i would say not but there only because that game is peerless at what it does <laughs> i know i when we had the sega special i said I, I prefer it to the original game i think it's better than that i think it's better than 90 percent of even the best arcade racers is yep. so it's so high up there. It's got a couple of little mates bumping shoulders with it, and that's yeah, Daytona, it. Sega Rally, yeah, Ridge Racer, one of the yeah. one of yeah the better Ridge Racers. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's yeah, that, that's the thing. And I, I, just go slightly on tangent. It's why I always argue: get whatever emulation device you want to get, but I think you need to have 3DS and a Vita. Because you can get your entire Vita and PSP back library played on what's essentially native hardware and the entirety of Nintendo's handheld catalogue pretty much flawlessly played on a 3DS with, with with simple hacks and modding just to open it up a bit. Um, so if you're into emulation, you know, whatever emulation device plus those two handhelds are must-haves. Yeah, you're right. The PSP particularly was like probably in modders paradise i think it's probably the most moddable and just that thing of being able to unlock the, the cpu so that you can play it at yes. fu- you, know, you know fully uncapped is you know, that's really important although it's important to say now that even using the vita loads of the games are delisted and you can't get hold of them anymore so if you come into it new you're gonna have to get you know, you have to go down the wrong route without a doubt for a lot. Which is fine. Is as soon fine, as a company, yeah. and I will always argue this, as soon as a corporation goes, we're not going to let you buy our games anymore, off you go. It's okay. open season. I agree. The best of times, it's when you're talking about getting hold of old games, there's only a very small subset of things where you would say that's wrong, ethically wrong, particularly if it's to do with, especially, and almost only if it's new games. But old games, yeah, especially if it's delisted, it's a no-brainer. Get it? Is it so, because yeah. he, he, here's the simple thing, right? Is it wrong to go and pirate the recent indie snowboarding game Shredders? Yes, because they're a small indie and every sale matters to them. It's available to buy. Buy it. Is it Ron to go and rob from somewhere on SSX Tricky? No, because EA won't let you buy that game anymore. Yeah, Simple precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, I know we've gone slightly off when we're talking about this, but again, it, it, it's important. Game preservation, even modern re-releases, are, they're so imperfect. There's so many barriers with them that... I'm not playing the original game I had. That's what I want. The ROMs, the, the original ROMs, pretty much now are just those original experiences, often enhanced in the right ways because the community does it. The community will always do a better job than the corporations because they care. Yes, yeah, that's right, yeah. They'll, they'll iron out all of those niggles and stuff because they want it to you know, look and play properly. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't just want to make a quick buck. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But it's a distant world, really, isn't it? I hear a segue coming. I've been playing Distant Worlds too. There it is. Segway! 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 Oh, dear. On my gravestone, it's going to be like kind of talking of death, Brad's down there. You should do is have two plots. So you should, you have your first plot that people come to, it says, and Brad's actual plot is over there with an arrow, and then there's this other plot where you're actually buried. <laughs> Talking of death, death's a shame. By the way, Brad's over there. There you go. Um, but anyway, which is... I've been, I've been, so over the past year or so, I've been looking at slower games, again, because of my vision and, uh, and stuff like that. And the 4X real-time strategy games are slow enough that I like them, but I still don't understand. I spoke about last year at some point and really enjoyed it, but still can't comprehend. I still keep dipping into it. I still can't comprehend what the game's about, but hey, it's good. I've got to learn. Uh, Distant (laughs) Worlds 2 is obviously a follow-up, I'm assuming, to Distant Worlds. 
I might be wrong. It could be an original title. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Pausable real-time 4X game. Um, that was very important to me when I like went into it and I saw the words pausable. I was like, oh, okay. I could stop it and have a think. Good. That's what I want. And it's it, it's got all the usual trappings of like got this vast galaxy and every decision you make has knock-on effects all over the shop. Full-on butterfly effect stuff going on. You could get different like alien races that will come and some might start a you and try and create a war. Some might try and do like trading partners and stuff like that the world is absolutely huge i think there's like from what i remember from start, like the buzz talk about it, it was like two thousand different galaxies or something or star systems mm, which is nice. just ridiculous ten like many thousands of planets moons whatever and you could visit all of them okay Fraction of the size of something like No Man's Sky probably but still massive on, on my side and once it's more than four that's too much for me to handle um, yeah, it says 4x why is there thousands I don't know but yeah like typical space epics you choose whether you want to be on the side of good or, or bad or what sort of play style you want you start off you build up you expand and it takes in all these different elements and it's, it's alright fully customizable, loads of good stuff on there enjoying it however and there's a big however it shouldn't be released yet Oh. does so much so damn well but it should not be released yet yeah uh, so the reason this should not be out yet it crashes constantly um it's it's uh, i i've wondered if it was me done a search and yeah it's being uh review bombed to hell at the moment on steam and stuff because it's just it just crashes a lot. I don't know what I'm doing, so it doesn't affect me too much. Doing stuff over and over doesn't really bother me because it means oh, I've done that wrong. So I'm guaranteed to have done that wrong at some point. I can redo it again. But for people who know their stuff with these games, it's got to be horrible. And it's clearly not finished yet. It's not released in early access. It's released as a full title. It's not good enough. Yeah. Which is a shame because I say it's like I, I find it a bit more accessible than still confusing as hell to me. I'm not going to give you any sort of like my thoughts on the ins and outs of of these systems and how they all come together and how it's better or worse than this. It's it's still all incomprehensible to me, but I like trying to learn them. Um, yeah. Trying to learn quantum mechanics. It's you never get it, but hey, you might sound a bit more intelligent because you play it. Yeah, some um, people just get it. Like yeah. I've mentioned before, I've played 4X board games. I've never played them on PC, but I've played them in real life. And yeah, I'm just there. Oh, yeah, like I've got I've built three factories. I've got three fields that are currently being farmed and I've got into one scrap um, doing quite well. And then everyone else is like, yeah, I am part of the galaxy now. And the <laughs> next person's like, yeah, I've, I've invented my own universe and I own that. And I'm like, oh, all right, okay, well done. I'm just happy here in the corner. That's what I want to get one of these games where you can go into it and just go, but I've got my little plot of land and I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, look, they're fighting again. I don't think 4X is designed for us of you and me. So they should do, like, some, right, someone out there make a very indie version of a 4X game where the idea is not to be drawn into it. You, you, the actual plot of the game is that you've just got to stay happy in your home. You've got to build your home, your little area around you and not get drawn into the big war. Yeah, I might actually play that. Yeah, I would. Uh, make it an hour long. Still, stick it on itch.io. Itch.io or whatever we call these that these days. Stick it on there. Perfect. There you go. But no, it's, yeah. it's so mechanically, I think this is really good. It's accessible enough. It unballs fairly well. But as I said, crashing all the time. That needs to be fixed. I can't recommend anyone pick this up yet, but keep an eye on it. If they patch it, could be well worth picking up. Cool. Any more from you? Nope, that's it. For Apart from the fact that too long and boring to go into, but I've got my AES back and I'm still playing Viewpoint and still kicking my backside quite squarely, but I'm still really enjoying it, so that's good. Good. Yes. I, 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 that's you still going for... Is that the one where you're going to go try and go for a one-credit run? Yeah, definitely going to give it a go. Yeah. Get that recorded and we'll put that on the YouTube channel, so no pressure. <laughs> 
No, too right. If I manage to do it, oh my God, it's definitely going on the internet. Yes. We'll make you famous with our five listeners. Also, yeah, I've watched people do speedruns and it's not speedrun. One credit completions of viewpoint. And it's got 20 likes or something, so it's not exactly going to set the world on fire, sadly. No, it's not a big enough game, is it, really? Nope. But I've got one more game I've been playing and I don't know whether it's called Biota or whether it's B-I-O-T-A because they've done that thing where it's all capital letters with dots in between it. <laughs> Which well, I know it has a name, but I can't remember what that is. Well, if it's initialised like that, you're supposed to technically read out the letters, but it's that's a pain in the backside, so just say Biota. Yeah, what's that thing called though? Where you've got if it's initials, but it makes up a word. If it's initials and it's got dots, then it's an initialism. But if it's init- if it's initials without dots and it and it is a word, then it's an acronym. That's the word, an acronym, but it's not. But anyway, biota, biota, b i n g o, and biota <laughs> was his name. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> I like that one. Thank you, Dean. That's just come out at time recording. I think it came out on, we recorded on a Thursday, came out on this re- this Tuesday. I've had it for about a week or so. It's an 8-bit style Metroidvania. So if you think Axiom Verge, the first one, and there was that one with the cat in a space suit, and I can't remember what it was called now, but that was really good. But that was like, re- again, really 8-bit. Can't remember what it was called, but it was, I enjoyed it, ADHD. It's, yeah, really 8-bit, like really like basic colours. Looks like it fit at home on a on a on a game boy or something like that or or a NES is what is what they're really going for with the aesthetics it it feels like an 80 stroke 90s metroid failure in every possible way the way you progress the way you upgrade get different weapons encounter different bosses changing things up changing things up little little bits it's got like a flying into the screen shooter bit on there and um, there's like there's four, is it four colour palette I think it uses and there's like tons of them you can switch between uh, six or seven maybe eight playable characters in there to really give it each and each each time you play you play with each different character and even the different colour palettes makes it feel like a different game and as I said it throws up little mini games in a way where you like have to fly ships or submarines and stuff like that that changes up the gameplay enough to keep it feeling fresh at all the right points. But yeah, it's just really fun. It's not the best Metroidvania you'll ever play, far from it. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it needs to be. It is, it's, do you like these sort of games? Yeah, there's one that you might like. And it seems happy with being in that position. I don't know if this is on Switch or not. I've got it on, on Steam and I'm not going to say it, but I think it'd be perfect for the Switch. So make make of that what you will. Uh, yeah, lovely little pick up and play. And it's you know, very simple control. So again, you haven't got to relearn the game if you don't play it for a, a few weeks or something fairly short. I think you could get through it. I think I got completed it in about five hours now that could mean it's a five hour game or for normal people it's a half hour game i don't know it took me about five hours i think to get through it but there's reason to replay it and everything as well just a lovely little game and seeing as you've done the you're doing the the audio for it i would say it's my game of the week the game of the week the game of the week. Nice. Yeah, no, it looks really good. Was it Gatto Roboto you were thinking of? Gatto Roboto, yes, I love that. It was really good. I've not played it through, but yeah, it seems good. I played a lot of... That was short as uh, well. Panzer Paladin that was a similar sort of theme. Very NES-themed. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, can't complain with that. Yeah. And what I like about these ones is they're curated as well in terms of like it's got a certain level structure. It's not all randomly generated, which a lot of Metroid failures went down. So like Dead Cells did it, which is fine and and everything like that. But that's because they're rogues. This isn't a rogue in any way, shape or form. It's pure Metroidvania with some other sprinklings thrown in. So yeah, absolutely lovely little game. I'm just going to check. About seven quid. So easily worthwhile. You're going to get the value out of it. Slightly more expensive than a cup of coffee, but definitely worth your time. Uh, it's one 
uh, again, <laughs> I need to get a bumper made for this as well, but I'm definitely going to be buying this when I get my Steam Deck because it's perfect for Steam Deck. Well, there you go. Your Steam Deck's going to cost you about three grand, did it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> you got the 512? No, 256. Yeah. So you've got, what is it, 450 quid? Something like that, yeah. On, on the hardware, and then another two and a half grand on the software you're saying you're going to buy for it. Yeah, if, you, if, some, if one of the listeners wants to go back and add it all up, that'd be really nice, thanks. Yeah, because <laughs> we're too lazy. I am. <laughs> we don't want to. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah it's absolutely brilliant uh, full controller support it's on the steam deck it's not technically verified yet but it plays there you go cool it plays on there but that's it games wise oh yeah bio is definitely an acronym looking at it yeah bio oh yeah i don't i don't even know what it means i didn't even bother looking that up to see what biota should actually mean i've had a look at the their main screen their main page store page on steam and it doesn't say so screw up. i had a look at slipstream it doesn't say anything about this game will mess your head and make your brain explode which it probably should that's a shame developers of slipstream do you really should do that because again you don't want to be known for causing someone to have an attack um, that's not why you want your game to become pop, uh, well known well that's it you really are treading that fine line aren't you and you and i have talked about in not distant past about there has there should be a step where you get like a user experience tester in qa based upon what it's like when you're playing it on different screens panels consoles you can't just go oh it works perfectly well on my developer kit and then on the qa testers kit and then just you know think that that's fine because you can have people who've got like suboptimal stuff yep. or even brand new stuff that just doesn't happen to fit perfectly in with what they've got planned and then you're buggered i saw a video the other day that said the most popular or common card for steam users is a 1660 yeah yeah so really that's what you should be aiming like if you're making a game does it work on that at some capacity not saying best like everything's got to work perfectly on it but can you play it in potato mode at the very least on a 1660 that's what you've got to aim at but yeah again it's why we always say get people with disabilities in to test your games or to consult before you play now there's ways of doing it you might get someone disabled to come in and play test and make changes that's fine what you cannot do is get someone with epilepsy to come in and play test your game and go oh We've gone through another one. We best change it or put a warning out. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. But again, you, there are ways around it. Speak to people with epilepsy. What does trigger them? Just go, so we, this is what our game does. Would this be likely to cause you a trigger? You can like, maybe show them screenshots and stuff so it's not fast moving, so it's not having that much of an effect. But they'll be able to tell you what causes it. And you could maybe go, we can't lose that because that's vital to the game. But we know now, let's put that wall in front and centre that when you buy the game, this game is not compatible for people with epilepsy. It's the same as if you're not going to, if you don't want to put accessibility settings in your game for certain things. So say, for example, it's really important that this game must be bright visuals and certain text colours and stuff like that. Just put, this game is not suitable for people who are hard of, hard of have got poor vision. Or if something relies completely on sound and there's no way you could do it with visual cues, this game is not suitable for people who are hard of hearing. Yeah. At least let people know straight out the gate. And this is where consultancy could come in. I think it's very important on the accessibility point of view. Yeah, I 100% agree. I 100%. And it, like I say, as I said in the past as well, it's, it's not, once you conceptualise that and you say it has to be done, then it's not difficult. It's not one of those things that... You, you have to think, oh God, you know, once we, if we decide to do that, we've got to change our business model. No, it's not like that at all. It, it, it's really a case of just getting into the mindset of doing those tests and then going, oh, and here's all the information for you. And then you will be lauded and praised for that. Just like companies who 
you know, champion their green credentials or organicness or yeah. low carbon emissions, just like they do. You'll get, you will not get a kickback from that. You will actually get no. positivity. Here's a couple of examples with the games I've played this week that I'm, I'm going to speak about on this. Um, I wasn't playing, this is an amendment, this is going to be almost like our accessibility and mental health chat that we've not done for yeah. a while. So, this the world's two. Okay, I, if you noticed when I spoke about it, I didn't call out its accessibility options because 4X games are a certain way. The reason I struggle with them is probably down to my ADHD. I can't concentrate on enough on the various different systems to get enough of an understanding of each various one and how it plays off against each other. That's an ADHD thing. Um, other people might have some issues with that, but with me, to learn, I either focus on one thing completely or all of it all over the place. That doesn't work for a 4X game. I'm not turning around and going, a 4X game should cater to me. I, as an ADHD sufferer with that sort of game, have got to learn to either adjust to that game or accept that it's not for me, I'm never going to be able to play it, which is fine. Now, when you see a lot of people hearing about, uh, well, some of the rebuttal when you hear about we need accessibility options, you'll see it in the, like with the Dark Souls community, uh, the recently Elden Ring, is they have this argument, oh, not every game's got to be for everyone. We haven't got to make everything accessible. No one's saying every single game has to be completely accessible for everyone. But this is where the consultancy can come in. If you disability consultant or a team of disability consultants and they turn around to you, have a look at your game and go, right, so your game, this is what ideally needs to be done to make it accessible to blind people, to deaf people. Again, when I say deaf and blind, um, the full spectrum there of hard of hearing, hard, like visually impaired, different levels, people with autism, ADHD, people missing certain limbs, and et cetera, et cetera, and people with absolute full-on learning difficulties. You cannot make a game that caters to that whole demographic of every single disabled person because it's not possible you cannot do it what you need to be able to do is go right who can we make this accessible to by doing these steps so as i said a 4x game yeah make it so you can get bigger text so it's readable for example right you can't do anything really to help someone with adhd so no one expects that it is a game that requires a lot of like movement with a keyboard and stuff. There's so much going on. I get you're not going to be, if you've got someone who's missing, you know, completely missing limbs um, and can't use a keyboard, speech recognition might not work with a game. I get that, but make it clear. This is why these aren't here in this game. We've, we've consulted this agency. We've spoken with them. This is what we've been able to implement based on this. This is what we missed. We've done this at the start of development that will make people happy rather than going into a game and going, well, I can't play this now. Yeah. Uh, but that's all it needs. It's uh, Biota as well. I could have complained the, the palette swaps aren't really an accessibility thing, but it's part of the gameplay. Now I don't know whether that's just something they wanted to do anyway, but I was able to find palettes that allowed me to play it. Not as an accessibility option, as an option within the game for it to be part of the game's selling point. Now, was that done with accessibility in mind or was it just a pure gameplay decision? What influenced that? I don't actually care because at the end of the day, I can play that game. Um, I can pause it. You can pause it any time. Maybe to check the save because it's actually fairly short and it starts good checkpointing. So it doesn't need to worry about save immediate save points and stuff like that as well. But again, I, I, I can't speak on behalf of someone who's deaf. So I don't know what's effects are there. People with limited movement, is it too fast for them? Should it have an option to slow down? Again, the slowing down option now is in any type of game, arcade, racing, sports, whatever, offline mode, single player modes, should have a slow down option. Fortress has shown that it can be done. Do it, put that in. Yeah. Regardless. And again, if you're the sort of person who goes, but you can't make every game for everybody, get out of your own soul. <laughs> yeah really i know it's crazy me having options that make it easier to play a game which could involve slowing things down and making it darker so i get to see you know in a, in a racing game like turning markers quicker or easier doesn't affect your enjoyment of the game because you haven't got to use them you haven't got to stick a game on ultra easy mode you can enjoy it on hard that's fine 
because what about everybody who plays on normal? Are they squib, cubes, whatever you want to call them? They're not. No, it's a normal mode. But easy modes are generally accessible to get on board people. But generally, if someone starts with an easy mode and it's too easy, guess what they do? God, Jim, have you guess what they might do if it's too easy? Well, they might just bump up the difficulty a little bit. They might. Which also includes as well something that is improving a game of accessibility. Difficulty levels. Let people change those at a whim. No, no. Yeah. Oh, you've got to start the game again to play it on an easier mode. F*** off. Do one. Yeah. And it's, oh, it affects achievements. I don't care. I know. I know. But why? Does it matter? I know, like you said about when being able to change the colour palette in Bio- Biota, that's just a feature. And it's, yeah, and most of the time, like difficulty levels are just a set of sliders that the developers put in there. And a lot of the time they really start from acceptable and then go up to unacceptable. They don't generally go like low uh, and they don't get named very well either. Because think playing a game, most games I've played on easy, which is a lot of games because I play a lot of games on challenging settings I like and games that I'm less interested in I often just stick on easy so I can get an experience out of them of at least some kind. And they're not easy, generally. Not how you would determine easy in the real world. Easy is walking to your kitchen, in my case. It's different for everybody. Everybody has things that are <laughs> yeah. easy for them, so they're not. But it is not what I would call, in a game, I would not call what the challenge level, I would not call e- You still get killed all the time in... And it's, Okay, some of our because well, walking to your kitchen. Sometimes you just get killed walking to your kitchen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While well, have you know, I like having extra lives, but it's yeah, it, they're not easy, and they should there should be lower difficulties even below easy that go right down to experience or story, and some games have that, but not very many. And I think it's great when they do. Silent Hill Two did it oh, yeah. twenty years ago, and. It's hardly ever been done since. No, see, Laura K. Buzz, I watched a video of hers recently as well. She made a, uh, a really excellent point about it, which pretty much surmised that the, the most hindering disability for getting into a game is visual impairment. If you're deaf, you can see to get into a game. If you've got limited movement, you've probably already got some kind of adaptive control for that again it's not let's dismiss those and only count on the like what are blind people but in terms of the biggest hindrance to starting a game it's visual impairment and what she said is basically every game especially a triple a game but hopefully it will then filter down to the indies is should start off you get a screen that is already set up for visual impairment that is uh text-to-speech and large fonts and then says, do you want to keep these settings or do you want to switch them off? And allow you to do it that way because it's easier for you, Stu, to go, actually, I don't need these accessibility settings, turn them off, than it is for me to try and find them. Yeah. And that would make it beneficial for everyone. You take an extra couple of seconds just to go, don't want that. I could just go, oh, yeah, thank you. I can play this game. And I can then go, actually, I don't need text to speech. I just need the large text. I'll turn that off. And I can then get into it without having to search. Because, again, we've not standardised where the accessibility... We've not even standardised where subtitles are. So God knows when it will happen for accessibility menus. Um, So I've got a hunt and guess, are there accessibility? Are they under an accessibility menu? Are they under a graphics menu? Or what? That makes it very difficult for me to even get going on a game. It takes me 15, 20 minutes to get going on a game first time round because I've got to find what settings I can play with. But again, that's really good. And again, this could go at system level, right? Yeah. If you've got a system level on PC, Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, whatever, that says console setup, before you start a game, do you want all accessibility options on by default? Or off by default. If you choose off by default, you skip that initial pop-up of this is our accessibility options. Do you want to turn them off or on? If you have it that you want that option on, 
at system level, you then get that list of like here are the accessibility options. Yeah. I don't see why that can't be done. If it's A, you go straight through to the game. If it's B, you get your list of options before you go into the game. I just don't see why that's not possible. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it seems ludicrous that it's not. It really does. And it's so easy to implement and, and so, such a thoughtful th- feature that it, it has a chance to redefine the way that people look at these things. Because if there's a barrier in front of people, some, most, will try and you know defeat that barrier so they can get some entertainment. Yep. But some will not, especially if they're younger and their gate the gatekeeping is done by their parents or their, you know, whomever is in, what do they call it? Guardian. You know, anyone who's the adult in charge sort of thing, if they're the gatekeeper of their entertainment, they may if you not understand that there are options buried in a menu. And if it's there presented to them, if they understand that, if it becomes normalised that that's what's there, then it opens up that avenue and you've suddenly, you know, got a whole new audience. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's madness that it hasn't been addressed. But then I think, ultimately, knowing how easy it is to do it, comparatively, I think it comes to comes down to systematic, systemic bigotry. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that the individuals and the individual developers or publishers are necessarily bigots. But because, as a society, we're bigoted against people with disabilities, that filters through and you don't think about them. It's bigotry by omission rather than inclusion. Oh, yeah, it is. Again, I understand we've got a long way to go because we're still at a point whereby developers need to make a conscious decision about the sex and race and sexual orientation of their protagonists. And whilst we're still having to make conscious decisions about that, accessibility options, I think, are a long, long way off as becoming standard. But I hope, as there's more voices, and Laura K. Dow is massive. I think she's the, one of the most impressive voices when it comes to this, and I will beat that drum as well. More voices calling out for more of this. Stephen Spawn, again, he's another one who does a great job with all this. Radders is another disabled gamer on Twitch and Twitter. All of them are calling out, and hopefully it just gets... Let's say grandfathered into game, and I'll be okay with that. Just as long as we see some movement. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. Any, any shift in the needle has got to be good. It would be lovely for it to be completely solved overnight because it is not even a problem. It's not even a challenge. You know what I mean? But yeah, but I'm ADHD and I do want it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> but well, I won't go into it too much. But yeah, no, it's really good uh, that some developers do do it and that how to do those features are creeping in a bit more, especially in AAA and especially with Sony of all people. So there you go. Yeah. Sony seems to be doing, nailing it at the individual game level, whereas Microsoft are doing it more at the hardware and system level. Get together, guys. Get together. You're nearly there. Yeah. Yeah, You're so close. What I love about Sony Uh, as well, especially with Last of Us, is they've gone, oh yeah, there's a tiny backlash about you know gender and sexuality whatever and they just don't give a shit you know it's like how many copies has that stopped us selling you know is that going to change at all what we do with the next game is it freak kind of thing that they are they're absolutely like yeah some people don't like it so that's brilliant more developers now and i think even some of the even the bigger publishers are now telling about guy don't like it we don't really want you as a customer anyway Yeah, yeah 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 and you see more developers now as well. What I really like is this is where I think developers have really started to take over. And I can't remember the Russian developer of a game, Devolver Digital, published it. I can't remember what the game is. Basically, they can't sell the game or they won't. They don't receive any profits for the game because they're in Russia. But obviously, any sanctions against Russians, they're just civilians who don't agree with the war. I think they're probably saying they don't agree with the war and everything. Oh, you're breaking up. Really I think bad. I've opened my head, but I think it's just the internet connection. More, more developers are taking a stand and going, do you know what, pirate it. We'd rather the right people played it and got it by the various means than having to compromise our, you know, our, our morals to appease racists and bigots and everything. So I think there is a change coming on the like the morality and the political side of it. That's good. Uh, but there are more and more games now with accessibility features, which is why you'll see people call out those that don't. 
rather than praising those that do. Maybe call out those that have nothing. So it's, it's good. It's, it's improving slowly but surely, but we're only just getting started, I think. Without potential internet issues, I guess that's up there. With no further ado, this will come out on the Easter Saturday. Have a great Easter weekend. You don't have to be celebrating it to enjoy Easter. Let's face it, it's not really a religious holiday anymore anyway. <laughs> Hopefully you've got a break. I know some people won't have those days off. So, you know, just go really slack at work. That's the that's my best advice if you're working. Unless you're uh, other than that, <laughs> Yeah, where's your heart? So, yeah, I shouldn't really have gone down that road at all. But yeah, apart from that, enjoy your gaming. Follow us on the, all of the socials. Join our Discord if you feel like it. And other than that, stay safe, stay sane, and try and get rid of your croaky throat. Mm-hmm.